The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Good morning, and it's actually March 31st already, and uh, welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Didn't time fly by? Whew, Isn't that something else? That's, can't believe oh, it. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's going to be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that way you can plan for my presents. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I'm already shopping, Gary. <laughs> All right. Joining me today as co-host, we have Jim Klug. Jim served for 19 months in Vietnam and is a Purple Heart recipient. He now holds the position of National Historian for the Military Order of the Purple Heart. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. Always a pleasure to join you. All right. Just a quick note. Last week we had Warrior Transition join us. They are a 501c3 that provides our veterans with world-class training, guidance to plan, fund, start, and maintain their own business. They want to provide our veterans with the best tools uh, just so they can, you know, create something. They can actually become self-employed by going through this course. It's going to help them out. Just remember, the American Heroes Network radio airs weekly with true stories of our American heroes along with stellar grassroots organizations that truly have been making a difference in the lives of our veterans and military's families. Our archive library of radio shows provide a unique blend of information and advocacy. We have created a veterans resource that is truly making a difference through our weekly live shows. All our shows are archived on demand for easy access to resources and events anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Jim, we have a pretty unique uh, organization with us today. They're called WIIS, Women in International Security. Yeah. Yeah, they it's uh, they're pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I never I never heard about the organization till recently, and uh, uh, you know we're going to learn a lot about it. Uh, actually, we have two guests with us. We have Amy Furman, who is the president of the Florida chapter, and we have Brooke Stedman, the global program manager. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, we're going to start off with Brooke. Brooke, why don't you? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the air today. It's really a pleasure yeah. to highlight the work of WISE. So a yes. little bit about my background. Um, I'm actually an international criminal lawyer by trade, and um, I decided to come over and work for WISE because they really address issues at the nexus of global security and gender. Previously, I was working in the International Criminal Court and then also the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. 
And at these courts, I was working as a legal assistant and very focused on the investigative and prosecution methods that are used to um, look into allegations of sexual violence in conflict. And before going to the courts, I was actually at the U.S. Institute of Peace, where I developed and implemented programming, which addresses gender issues in conflict. Wow. That's something else. Yeah. That's something that's, else. Brooke, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, why is, why is the, the real reason it's so unique? I mean, it, it sounds like you have a lot of jobs, <laughs> and with Amy <laughs> also, um, but it, it is a very unique organization. But what makes it unique uh, uh, to you? I believe that it's a very unique organization because it takes a two-tiered approach. First, it's a membership-based organization which provides a global network for 7,000 associated experts across 47 countries. And within this network, we also provide a number of services such as the Mentor and Professional Development Program, which provides capacity-building workshop events, Um, It provides a networking platform for our experts and really promotes and empowers women within the international peace and security field. And I would say that the second part of that is actually our research component. So we try to practice what we preach, and we do a lot of research um, on the implementation of the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. And we do that through civil society, and then we also do that through military organizations, or I guess operations, rather. Mm-hmm. All right. And you develop all these programs and address the global issues related to women, peace, and security. That's correct. correct? Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you mind telling us what your membership is? Sure. Well, the membership is actually very, very reasonable. It's very low, and it's contingent upon um, your income. So if you're a student, then it's $29.99 for a year. If you make more than, I think it's $50,000 a year, then it's like oh, you know, $99.99 a year. It's very, very affordable. It's um, this organization is, does not exist to make money, but rather to provide a network and to provide services, not just for women, but for leaders within the peace and security field who believe that it's, impo- it's important to empower women and to make sure that men and women are equals within this field. Boy. Yeah, as far as uh, the women in combat now, uh, there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, What type of issues do you handle on on, uh, that area? Well, we actually have the Combat Integration Initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, WISE established the Combat Integration Initiative to monitor the implementation process um, following the 2013 rescission of... um, of the direct ground combat policy. So we have five activities that um, we deem are necessary for effective implementation, and that is transparency of the implementation process, communication of policy changes, um, establishing gender-neutral occupational standards, and then providing um, training to leaders, addressing the military culture, and lastly, to provide mentoring and gender advising 
So we play an active role in those five areas. All right. All right. Now, you said you went to Marquette University? I did. All right. Milwaukee? That is correct, sir. All right. That's, that's where I'm from, actually. <laughs> I is was it? kind of surprised. Yes. When I, when I read Marquette, I went, you're kidding me. They have a dental program when I was a kid I used to go to. Uh, oh. that, was, that was a zillion years ago, though. It's um, a small <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. So, I was actually in Milwaukee uh, just last weekend, and I made sure uh, to stop by. Have you been to Sopelman's? Sopermans. Now, that sounds familiar. I haven't been up there in probably about four or five years, even though I have a lot of family still up there. I mean, my dad had, uh, there were 14 kids in his family, um, so a lot of uncles and aunts, and now, now um, nieces and nephews, and you know, it's unbelievable. They're just multiplying. <laughs> I think it's the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. You have to stay indoors. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> now, uh, you have an overview uh, overview of the uh, 1325 NATO um, mm-hmm. uh, scorecard project. Tell us what that's about. So the 1325 NATO scorecard project is, um, first of all, it's funded by NATO. It's funded by the um, Science for Peace and Security Program. And this is intended as an educational tool that focuses on how it's best to increase the implementation of UN Security Council Resolution 1325, which is on women, peace, and security. So it's looking at how we can best implement the women, peace, and security um, agenda into military operations, but focusing specifically on NATO member states. And I guess I should expand a bit. The scorecard um, is actually a set of indicators. So WISE is creating a framework that NATO will be able to implement across all their NATO member states to assess how well the military operations are implementing the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it will be extremely useful, and it will essentially establish a benchmark moving forward so we can see how much progress is made, you know, each year. Boy, Brooke, that's just, you know, it's amazing, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, road markers, if you will, the, uh, the scorecard project, in essence, where you're able to track uh, the status and the treatment of women based upon so many different, you know, I, I'm just listening to this, uh, Brooke, and it's amazing. I mean, it's something that's so obviously needed, and I can't believe how important this is that, you know, the, it's just basically it's the grassroots of, of uh, what should have been happening all along, but of course couldn't happen until you put this all together. It's just, it's yeah. a great project. It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. I think it'll be very, very yeah. useful. Yeah, go. Definitely, definitely. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, okay? Um, I just want to remind everybody that uh, uh, the American Heroes Network, you go there, just go to the website. It's AmericanHeroesNetwork.com, and uh, uh, then you can also uh, look up a lot of stuff uh, as far as events. Uh, We've been actually doing this for going on three years now, and uh, it's been working out really, really well. Uh, so, it, again, you want to save money on your interest of, uh, as far as merchant accounts go, 
Check out our sponsor, First Class Merchant Services. If you own a business and are interested in saving money on your merchant account, call Josh at First Class Merchant Services at 407-401-0772. And by the way, he is national. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Amy and Brooke from Women in International Security. And Jim, you want to introduce Amy? Absolutely. A.B. Fruman is uh, president of the Florida chapter of WIS, and uh, just looking at Amy's uh, background, too, just like Brooks, it's amazing. Amy is a strategic planner who works with issues of the Middle East and South and Central Asia and is an associate for Booz Allen Hamilton. And, and Amy, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us, tell us who and what you do. Sure. Um Thanks again for having us on and your interest in WISE. It's um, exciting for us to be able to tell people about what we do and why it's important. Um, as for me, uh, let's see, I uh, have been working in this field, I guess, for over 15 years. Um, and I really began at UNICEF um, in their Emergency Operations Division, and um, which at the time, pre-9-11, was really mostly um, natural emergencies, less so man-made emergencies, some war in Africa, but things have certainly changed since then. Um, I then went over to the Department of Peacekeeping Operations for the United Nations and lived in Kosovo for a while, so Brooke and I worked on similar topics with regard to the former Yugoslavia, um, and I was in um, the Department for Political Affairs, and basically because Kosovo at the time was a UN protectorate, we were 
we were kind of running the country. Um, so that was a very, very interesting approach to kind of cut my teeth in this industry. Um, and from there, I really wanted to learn more about what the U.S. was doing because I had been educated abroad and had spent my entire professional career up to that point abroad. Um, and I wanted to better understand how the U.S. Uh, makes its decisions and implements its decisions. Um, so I ended up working at the U.S. Agency for International Development in a small office called the Office of Transition Initiative. Initiative, excuse me, which does um, a lot of the work in countries that are in transition to peace from conflict. Um, and there I focused a lot on Latin America, but also was um, the point person with regard to um, military affairs. And it quickly became clear to me that the relationship with the civilian world and the military was going to be crucial to what we call stability operations in the future and jumped on an opportunity to work for USAID in Afghanistan in something called a provincial reconstruction team, which were interagency teams of USAID State Department and Department of Defense in the provinces of Afghanistan. Um, and that was really the job of a lifetime. I, it might sound odd to say, but I thoroughly enjoyed uh, my year in Afghanistan. It was fascinating, eye-opening, scary at times, but really made you feel alive and um, really enjoyed working with... Um, I was embedded with an Air Force team. I really enjoyed working with the Air Force team. And from there, um, I worked at the Council on Foreign Relations as an International Affairs Fellow and then started working um, more with the military and have become involved um, working on the Middle East issues um, and issues in South and Central Asia to include Pakistan and Afghanistan. And that's kind of what I do today. Wow. You know, you mentioned... I was just going to say, you mentioned about, uh, uh, to me, before the show, uh, that you also worked closely with the United Nations. I did, yes, yes. Um, so initially, um, the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, and then on to the UN's Department for Peacekeeping Operations in Kosovo. So I spent a couple of years working uh, with the UN, which was an amazing experience. Um, amazing cross-cultural experience, amazing experience, because you were really working with kind of some of the top political minds from the world over. I'm sure Brooke can agree that uh, working in international organizations is kind of a fascinating cultural experience. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Wow. You know, also, um, uh, you mentioned that uh, an important role Florida plays in national security it sort of puts us in the crosshairs. <laughs> uh, well, I hope not, <laughs> but it exactly. definitely plays an important role. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know if many people are aware that there there are nine four-star commands in the U.S. military, and uh, three of them are in Florida. So we have in, in uh, southern Florida and Miami, we have Southern Command, which covers all of Latin America. And then here in the Tampa Bay area, in Tampa, we have um, Central Command, which covers the Middle East, except for Israel. That falls in European Command. And um, South and Central Asia, basically, up to but not including India. Um, and then all of the Arabian Peninsula. And then we also have Special Operations Command, which covers all special operations globally. So um, in a lot of ways, Florida is a is kind of the unsuspected powerhouse um, in international security affairs. And then 
lay on top of that some of the huge and globally recognized universities to include, I think, the largest university by enrollment, which is University of Central Florida. So Florida, Florida has a big role to play in international security. Why? That's kind of, kind of unbelievable. <laughs> Living in Florida, where I guess you are also, Amy, correct? I am. I do. I live in St. Petersburg. All right. Now, I guess this week you have a pretty big event coming up. Yes, actually, next week on April 6th, um, we have our first event in the Tampa Bay area, um, and it's going to be on women in jihad. And this is an issue that certainly interests me, and I imagine interests other people, um, because I think that generally when we think about jihad or the conflicts in uh, the Middle East and spilling into other regions, we generally think about the role that men are playing. Um, but it's very hard to ignore over 50% of the population, which are the women. And it's also very hard to ignore the fact that, in many regards, women have the most to lose if these uh, Sunni Salafists really sweep through the region because of their extremist perspective on how to treat women. Um, so it was an issue that I felt we should start highlighting more and talking about more and trying to figure maybe a, a clever way to approach the topic because part of me understands that we can't be too ethnocentric. We can't judge how the women conduct themselves in these countries. We need to find a way to productively engage with them and support them. Um, so there are a lot of different angles to um, discuss in Women in Jihad, and the first one we're taking on is the role of women and women's organization in the radicalization process. Um, again, it's going to be April 6th from 3 to 5 p.m. at USF, University of South Florida's Patel Center. Um, and we have four experts we're bringing in, um, one of whom is the president of Women in International Security, Chantal dong Durat, and I'm sure I totally brutalized her name. Um, but Chantal is uh, an expert in issues regarding gender, and um, She's going to speak to the role of women in the um, de-radicalization process. Uh, we also have Dr. Jacob, da Dr. Jacob, uh, David Jacobson, excuse me, who's the founding director of the USF uh, Global Initiative, um, who also is going to talk about kind of more broadly and from a global perspective the role of women and women's organizations in the radicalization process. And then um, I felt strongly about bringing in some voices uh, from the region, from the Middle East region. Um, Dr. Bassamer Rowe uh, is a doctor in political and social psychology um, who taught in Yemen for many years and has lived all over the region, is from the region. And she's going to give us a perspective on Yemen, which um, right now is in the middle of collapsing. Um, and then we have Mr. Saeed Al-Assadi, who is Iraqi who's going to give us a perspective from Iraq and possibly a little bit about Syria. And I think both of them drilling down to the local level will really give us insights into kind of how local these um, politics can be. So I invite everyone uh, that's interested and in the Tampa Bay area to come out. Again, it's uh, 3 to 5 p.m. on April 6th at the Patel Center at USF, and it's free, and everyone's welcome. Amy, uh, it, will this be able to be uh, recorded or uh, videoed so that it it seems as though uh, we talk about uh, in a, such a marginalized fashion 
what's truly happening uh, with the women in jihad and the whole issues that are around there. Um, that, to me, seems to be the most vulnerable side of, of that whole issue is the women uh, that are so uh, objectified, uh, seemingly, from our perspective. And uh, how will this be uh, preserved? In other words, will this be uh, something that others of us that can't attend in person can find out what's Absolutely. being shared? Absolutely. We are going to um, Skype the event, and we're going to record it. And um, I think the Skype instructions, um, look, we can post the Skype instructions on Weiss Global, can we not? Yep, of course. Beautiful. So um, at org, we will have uh, Skype instructions. So anyone that wants to Skype in and listen, um, and also we will post the recording of the event on Weiss Global. But you're absolutely right. The, the women is kind of a, not much talked about, but uh, potentially very large impact on the discussion in the Middle East especially. So we encourage everyone to participate and chime in and, and listen to some experts on the ground and experts that have been studying this topic for some time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair share uh, as far as uh, women in combat. I mean, it, uh, you find that you have a good handful of members that have been in combat? Um, you know, we're trying to build up. We're pretty new, so we're trying to build up our membership. Um, so we would encourage um, we would encourage people from um, Florida that are involved in the different commands uh, to join. Um, but but especially the women that have been involved in combat. One of, one of the things that I did when I was in Afghanistan was something that I like to call chick chats where I would engage with Afghan women and I would bring all the female military members that were on my team along with a female uh, interpreter to go sit with different women from the Afghan villages to talk about their experiences. And I think that um, just sitting down in an environment where it was all women um, was kind of a fascinating exchange for both the women that were obviously in combat at the time and the Afghan women. Um, so I think there's a lot to be gained in this forum. Sounds like I it. would also add to that that um, we have a number of networking events with women in the military here in Washington, D.C., and I always find it incredibly inspiring to attend these events because you have women who are anywhere from, you know, the entry level up to very high-ranking officers all sharing the obstacles that they've faced throughout their military careers and providing guidance and suggestions to one another. And, and can I just uh, dovetail on what Brooke's saying? The, the way I initially found out about Weiss was when I was uh, working in Washington as a young upstart in the industry, um, I joined Weiss for the networking opportunity. I was working at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and was assigned a mentor through Weiss, and my mentor just so happened to be Michelle and I, who went on to be an assistant secretary of defense and a very influential woman. I would I would venture to say one of the most influential women, and in, if not the most influential woman in the Department of Defense. So it's a great opportunity for people from all over the country and and globally uh, to engage with other women that are kind of equally committed to. Um, to the discussions of women in international security. Mm-hmm. And I would add that there's also men in the organization. We call them wise guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I know that was coming? 
(laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Listen, there's a great reference, and Gary and I always speak of it. Wendy Sue Buckingham is our military or the Purple Heart women's advocate, and she, in in fact, is a uh, combat-wounded Iraqi veteran, and uh, she is uh, really reaching out and, like you, uh, tremendous educational background and doing a a lot for ladies uh, in our our order and in all branches of service. She served in the Air Force and uh, is just doing a wonderful job. I will make her, uh, if you're not familiar with her already, I'd sure like to connect both of you uh, with Wendy Sue Buckingham because uh, I think she could be a a very valuable uh, asset to your team effort. That would be be great. Thank you. Have you ever heard of her before? I think one of the things that we're interested in doing at some point, again, Weiss, Florida is new, is uh, trying to pull together, obviously there's a large retirement community in Florida, trying to pull together Mm -hmm. some retired military females and talk about, uh, through their experiences, the history of women in the military, especially with the recent landmark decision to include women in combat operations. So this is, at this point, just a kind of a thought bubble in our head, but maybe with uh, Wendy's assistance, we can we can start making it happen. And and I think it would be fascinating to hear how women that were early on in military experience, how that compares with the experience of women today. Yes. You know, Wendy's also an attorney. Hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, if you go to the uh, Military or the Purple Heart uh, website and type in her name, uh, it will pull up a lot of resources for women. Uh, that's her end of it. But she's got potential, uh, and I think Jim will agree with me, to be a national commander. Yeah, that's uh, Wendy's course is uh, one of leadership, and she's really a, a dynamic lady. As I've got to say, Brooke and uh, Amy, both of you are uh, doing a tremendous job and uh, one that really needs to be done and, and really at that level like you're addressing um, this is new to Gary and I, and we're just, uh, when Gary says, wait till you hear what's on the program. And I, as I've been looking over the last few days, I'm amazed. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes Network.com and syndicated on iTunes. 
Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Amy and Brooke, from Women in International Security. And Brooke, you, we're talking about another event coming up. That's correct. Yes. As part of the Combat Integration Initiative, which is directed by retired Colonel Ellen Herring, um, actually, Ellen is going to be putting together a half-day event on April 27th, and it's in partnership with the Alliance for National Defense, the Reserve Officers Training, uh, sorry, Reserve Officers Association, and then uh, No Exceptions, which is an initiative of the Truman Security Project. Um, and basically, this half-day event is going to examine what has changed for U.S. service women since the 2000 rescission of the DOD ground combat um, exclusion policy. And the event will actually kick off with firsthand accounts of women in combat. So Gail Lamont has recently published a book called Ashley's War, and it chronicles one of the first teams of Army women embedded in the 75th Ranger Regiment. And First Lieutenant Ashley White was actually killed in action with two Rangers during a night raid in Afghanistan in 2011. So the event will kick off just by um, giving a personal account of what women experience in combat positions. And following this, we've invited the services and SOCOM to provide an update on their integration efforts. And so we'll have a series of panels that will analyze, compare, contrast, and assess the critical aspects of successful integration. And the last part of this will actually be a view from the U.S. Congress. We have Congresswoman Loretta Sanchez and then Congresswoman Marcia McSally, um, who are going to actually discuss the congressional interest and oversight responsibilities of this ground combat exclusion policy. And if you want to find out any additional information, you can go to the website. It's wiseglobal.org, and um, you can register there. How many events do you try having every year? Monthly? Um, actually, I'll tell you, D.C. is known for their events, and we try not to become an event machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, we have events when they're timely, um, oftentimes it's maybe twice a month in partnership with other organizations just to make sure that we're really providing something that's useful and concrete and not just to have people come and speak about general things and our audience members walk away not really sure what they heard and walking away basically with nothing. And I would add that um, WISE globally, I mean, there are events happening all the time all over the world for WISE. So, you know, there's uh, active 
group, excuse me, in Canada. There's a new one that's starting up in Kenya. Uh, there's wife in Germany and Australia. So um, I think how many countries are there? 21 international yeah, chapters? Or that's correct. There's 21 international affiliates. So there are events happening throughout the world. That's pretty cool. Now, again, they can find out uh, by just going to uh, wise.org. Uh, are you a 501c3? Yes, we are. All right. All right. And you do accept donations? Yes, we do. And you can make right. donations or sign up for a membership on the WISE Global website. Can't beat that. Keep mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. We're going to go ahead and take another, our last break anyway. And uh, today's show is brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. Also, check out our local partners page to see local businesses that support our veteran communities. Just be sure to support them back. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Amy and Brooke from Women in International Security. And during break, uh, Jim, you had a question. Well, Amy, you mentioned uh, something about, and I thought it was a great play on words that. Uh, chick chat uh, that you uh, were able to, you know, participate in while you were in Iraq. Uh, can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. I was actually in Afghanistan, and um, oh, Afghanistan. you know, rolling around the valley that I was in called the Panjshir Valley, which um, was very supportive of the U.S. It was um, 
when our special operations and intelligence communities first went into Afghanistan after 9-11, the Panjshir Valley is where they landed. And it was a place that was the heartbeat of the resistance to the Russians and the resistance to the Taliban. So it was what uh, the military referred to as a very permissive environment. Um, and and as, after saying that, I would, I would go on to say that in, it was permissive for me as an American female, but we never saw really or interacted with other women in the province. Um, there were local leaders as mandated by the Afghan government that there has to be a certain a third of the um, local leadership was supposed to be women. And I felt very, very strongly that I wanted to engage with these women, if not only culturally, to tell them a little bit about, about myself, to introduce them to some of the female soldiers and to hear about their lives and what they did every day. And I was very lucky to have a woman named Shala Hammond, who's an Afghan-American, and she was our cultural advisor and a good friend and our interpreter. And she worked with me to organize what we called Chick Chats. And um, I have to admit, in my first Chick Chat, I was extremely overzealous about um, what we could talk about with these women. Um, we sat down, and I, I immediately went to my kind of political and feminist training and began talking to these women about the role of women as peacekeepers. And Shala put her hand on my knee and looked at me and said, Amy, these women are farmers. Let's start off a little bit more simply, <laughs> because the women were looking at her with a blank look as she translated all of this stuff. Um, so I, I scaled it back a little bit and, and talked about the women, what the women were interested in, in talking about, about you know who makes the decision in their household of when it's time to slaughter different animals or when it's time to breed them. Or, and these are really important decisions in an agrarian society. Um, and I would always caveat the discussion by saying that I was not, me and the soldiers I, I was with, the American soldiers I was with, were not there to judge these women or to tell them that we didn't agree with how they lived their lives. We just wanted to understand what they did all day and kind of their perspective on what was going on. And um, one question I always ask, and I, and I think the answers I got were illuminating, was why they wore the burqa, that blue um, cover that you always see the Afghan women in. And some of the most interesting answers I got were that this is what was in fashion in Afghanistan at the time. And when fashion changed, then women will wear something different. And it made me think that, you know, Western women wear some things that other societies might think are really stupid in the name of fashion. You know, I myself have worn super uncomfortable, stupid high heels in the name of fashion. <laughs> so why should I judge these Afghan women for wearing the burqa, which by the way, is extremely uncomfortable and hot and it doesn't breathe well. Um, uh, so I thought that was an interesting perspective. And another woman answered, you know, I don't want my daughter to be wearing this, but right now we don't get news or information from the outside world. They don't really have TVs. They, they might have radios. Um, the women aren't invited into the mosques where kind of the news of the community is disseminated. Their husbands go to the mosque and then tell them kind of what the mullah has brought back. Um, so their, their point was when they were more exposed, they would probably change their perspective and, um, the burqa would go out of fashion. Um, and, and I did my best to not judge the women for what they did and how they conducted their lives. And, um, and sometimes that was hard. We had 
and this this will be the last of my war stories. We had one event where we went. Uh, Panchir is known for its emeralds, and we went into the emerald mines, and it was a half day hike, you know, with all the soldiers, and we had some Afghan national police with us guarding us, and um, we were hiking up the mountain, and there was a two young Afghan national police speaking Dari to each other and laughing and looking at me. And they didn't have to speak Dari to know that they were making rude comments about me. And I was fuming. I was, you know, if I'm sure if they were paying attention, they could have seen steam coming out of my ears. Um, And I went to our cultural advisor and talked to her about it and said, you know, I really want to say something to these men. I represent the U.S. Agency for International Development, a very important U.S. government entity in their province, bringing over $20 million of assistance to their province, it was entirely inappropriate for them to be saying and talking about me the way they were. Um, and she, she agreed that she would help me translate something to them. And then I went to our State Department representative and talked to him about it. And, and he agreed that I should do that, but he asked that I wait until we got back down the mountain when no longer needed their protection. So when we got back down the mountain, um, I asked Shala to come with me, and I took these two boys, essentially. I mean, they couldn't have been more than 18 years old, aside. And I said, you do not speak to me that way. I am your mother. I am your sister. I, you know, I represent your daughters. And there is no way that that is acceptable to speak to me that way. Now, of course, I tried to pull them aside and do this not in public, but as it is in Afghanistan, if some international is speaking to some villager, you know, a hundred villagers gathered around. So I'm sitting there shaking, looking around for all of the soldiers with the M5s and M16s to protect me as I walked away, trying to be confident. And, you know, I honestly, I felt better having gotten that off my chest, but thought about it in retrospect uh, and in speaking to Shala and others about it and wondered, you know, what... What did those boys go home with? What what did they learn from my interaction with them? Did they go home and then take out their frustration with women and my having asserted myself over over them on their own women? You know, could I have possibly inadvertently caused harm to the women that they live with because I frustrated them and embarrassed them publicly? And and I don't know what happened, but I think it's it's always stuck with me because it reminds me not to be ethnocentric and to be sensitive and not overlay my values. I don't regret having said something, and I don't regret that a lot of people gathered around and saw a woman be strong and stand up to a man, but I think we always have to be cognizant of how, you know, what what happened afterwards. Did I have the impact I wanted to have? Interesting. Wow. How can a wise make a difference and change these things? I mean, and that that I, I firmly believe has to come from the inside. And I think that, you know, having networks like WICE where women can get together and talk in a, in a broader and international format, not unlike the chick chats that I had in Afghanistan, allows the opportunity for um, women to express what they need. Um, and in, in many cases, women are the protectors of society in rural communities. They are the ones that. If you explain to women that hand-washing is important and will reduce incidence of diarrhea, which is a big killer in the third world, it can change, you know, the death rates in communities. Um, it is a well-known tenant in international development. If you give a dollar to a woman, it will go towards bettering society, and if 
no offense to you men out there, but if you give a dollar to men, it will generally go to whatever the men want to spend it on. So there really is an avenue and opportunity to work through women, um, especially in rural communities, to change some of the outcomes that we're seeing. Yeah, is there any way that, um, I mean, is there any way that they can communicate um, with the outside world? I mean, slowly, slowly, I think Afghanistan um, is becoming more connected. So um, my experience living in Afghanistan for a year was in 06, 07. And at the time, I think I entered the valley, you could count the number of houses that had one light bulb. And by the time I exited the valley, you know, there were little villages that were sort of lit up, you know, where you couldn't, you couldn't count the individual light bulbs in, in the mud brick huts. Um, and I would venture to guess that nowadays you would see, you know, entire villages lit up. So as electricity comes in and as people become more connected, possibly through television, they will see, they will see that, you know, all the women going to Mecca, for instance, aren't covered in burqas. Um, they will, their heads will be covered as part of their religious tradition, but, um, you know, some of it is cultural. When you were there, did you, did you cover your head? I did. I always had uh-huh. a scarf, um, and if we were in a discussion with a mullah or religious leader, I always covered my head out of respect. Um, I was always covered, you know, to the wrist, to the ankles, wore baggy clothes. Um, you know, I think it's important to be respectful of their culture and traditions. And, and to be honest, I understand, I came to understand why women were covered, you know, if I was on a U.S. military base in Afghanistan and I was in shorts going to the gym to work out and you happened past an Afghan contractor that was doing some construction work on base, you know, seeing a woman in shorts would, you know, put him back a step. Like, they just, it was so foreign to them and so scintillating that it just wasn't worth it as a woman to walk around like that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So, anyway, uh, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, tell us about the event again? We're coming to the end of the show, and uh, tell about the uh, uh, Brooke. You have an event, and also Amy, you have another event. One more time. Sure, sure, Brooke. You want to go first? Sure. So our event again is April twenty seventh, and it's Women in Combat assessing where they stand since the 2013 rescission of the DOD ground combat exclusion policy. And additional information can be found on the WISE Global website. All right. Okay, and and our event, the WISE Florida event, is going to be 6 April next week at the Patel Center at the University of South Florida, and it's on women and jihad, the role of women and women's organization and the radicalization process. 6 April, 3 to 5 p.m., and you can also go to WIISglobal.org to get more information and find out about Skyping in, which we encourage everyone to do. All right. Now, we only have a couple minutes left. Amy and Brooke, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for and having a- us. All right. You're welcome. And Amy, what would you like to share with our listeners in closing? Um, I just encourage them all to engage on this topic, and whether your engagement is through Skyping in or hopefully coming to USF uh, to listen to this event or um, going on the website and joining WISE, which would be wonderful. 
I just encourage everyone to think about the topic and engage on the topic. And thank you again for, uh, for thinking and engaging with us. You're welcome. And Brooke? Yes, I would add to that and encourage both men and women to join WISE if they believe in the promotion and empowerment of women in the international peace and security field, and if they have a desire to join a growing network of leaders who bridge divides among issues, which includes traditional security and human security, as well as generations of women and sectors, creating networks between the academic, practitioner, and policymakers. All right. Jim? Well, I'm, uh, I'm continually amazed uh, at what's happening out here in the world, and I'm proud of what you're doing, and God bless your efforts again. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Thank ladies. You. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on AmericanHeroesNetworkRadio.com. And yes, you can hear all the archived shows right from your phone. And remember, the American Heroes Network Radio spotlights and promotes the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any device. I'm your host, Gary Ray, signing off. And thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network Radio powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly do the backbone of our nation thanks to you we're living free we're a quilt of men